Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf, Gavin Shaw breaking down. Not really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Knicks 127 to 106 loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. We're not going to spend very much time on it. And we're actually going to spend more time on what happens uh, towards the end and after the game, unfortunately. And then we get into some trade talk. Our trade mailbag, it's that time of year. We're excited. Uh, we start off with the scenario where the Knicks could get Carl Anthony Towns. Not really, but we discuss the possibility. And, and then a lot of smaller trades that are mostly about the Knicks getting off some of their vets and acquiring some young talent in return. So we get into all that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team Every day. This is all rebound back up off the glass. It's good. LJ brings the Knicks to the ball. What he does is contagious. Oh, Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane. Knox foul from behind. Count it and one. As Fisting pumps his fist. Becomes infectious. Welcome to Locked On Knicks. As mentioned in the tease, the Knicks lost 127 to 106, and it was certainly embarrassing to the Memphis Grizzlies. They kept up in the first quarter. Uh, 32-32 was the score after one, and then were pretty soundly beaten down all the rest of the way out after that. Uh, Gavin, I, I don't really feel the need to discuss what actually happened in the game as far as the players too much. We sort of ran into... A lot of the same things we talked about literally just one podcast ago um, about the young players not being played enough and the old players being played huge minutes and Frank Nilakina caught a DNP. Wayne Ellington got eight minutes. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. took the backup point guard minutes and looked, quite frankly, lost at times. Uh, Alfred Payton played 35 minutes. I don't know, just pretty... Pretty ugly game all around. And then at the end of the game, we ran into a situation where uh, the Grizzlies and specifically Jay Crowder, who's a known pest. I mean, there's he has a rep in the league and there's no denying it. But uh, Jay Crowder goes to steal the ball uh, on an inbounds, trying to get a little cute. And, you know, the Knicks were ready to just lay down and die at that point in the final minute of the game, down by a ton of points. And, you know, Crowder... It went out of his way to still go for the ball and try to steal it. Alfred Payton took exception to it. They got into a little bit of a scuffle. And uh, then, you know, the the Knicks and uh, Grizzlies kind of uh, got into a little thing. Marcus Morris shoved John Morant, and uh, things got a little heated. And so that sucked. A lot of technicals issued. Alfred and, and Marcus Morris were both uh, ejected. And, you know, with a whopping 40 seconds left on the clock, no word yet on if they've been suspended or anything. I guess we'll see. Um, I don't know for sure. I feel like maybe Peyton would be uh, just because he kind of uh, he was the most uh, aggressive in the altercation or whatever. Um, and then after the game, Marcus Morris makes headlines by I mean, I don't even have the full quote up in front of me. I don't really need it. But he uh, gets interviewed in post game and 
says that uh, more or less Jay Crowder was acting like a woman and flopping and was showing feminine tendencies and this, that, and the other. He plays like, you know, he plays with feminine tendencies and all this other crap about, you know, basically like he plays like a woman, therefore that's bad. And so that sucked too. Kind of just an overall embarrassing night for the Knicks. Oh, and there was... (laughs) Maybe intentional, maybe not. The Grizzlies showers apparently didn't work in the visiting locker room after the game, too. So they had to go home stinky, um, thanks to the Knicks. So, Gavin, what are your thoughts on just another embarrassing night for the Knicks? I'm almost speechless after all that. It was, it was a lot to take in. Yeah, I don't I don't really have a lot of thoughts on, on the basketball side of things. Uh, I thought Mitchell Robinson had one of his, his best games in in a while, 10 points. Nine boards, three steals, four blocks, just really, really active. Again, ran the floor well. Damian Dotson shot well. And that's that's almost where I want to stop the basketball discussion because nothing else super meaningful really happened. I mean, the Knicks were essentially in the game until like midway through the third quarter, and then things sort of fell off the rails. And the Grizzlies, who were playing really well and have a lot of young talent, um, sort of blew the doors off of them. And I was really, I, I was my. <laughs> sort of the most meaningful moment again and I, I've talked about this in the podcast but like how painful it is to like watch the guys like the Knicks just missed out on and I mean seeing a full game of John Morant and appreciating just how good he is and uh, I thought it was it was a nice tweet from our guy uh, John Schmilk who pointed out on Twitter like like again and, and I think we we had a whole podcast where we talked about this as well like obviously the Knicks would have been better off with better management over the last 20 years they would have been better off with better management over the last two or three years, but even even given that, so much of this is luck. And the Grizzlies, a team who won 16 more games than the Knicks last season, I mean, because of the new lottery rules, jumped them and come away with a guy who's a signature talent. Too, I mean, it'd be it'd be interesting. Like, was Morant so good that David Fisdale would still be the Knicks coach right now if he was on the team? I don't know. Maybe not. He he shouldn't have been. But I, I just I just think it's fascinating to to look at this as sort of a sliding doors and, and a grizzly and the Grizzlies, a team that for a very long time, Alex was in pretty similar rebuilding malaise. I mean, relative to the Knicks, like obviously they were more competitive for the most part because they had Conley and Gasol, but were just sort of somewhere between average and good and, and never great after about 2013 or 2014. They were, they were just on the whole very mediocre for a long time, and it felt like they were never going to get the premium talent to put them over the top. But they luck out in two lotteries and get Jaron Jackson and John Morant, and uh, all of a sudden they have smart ownership that surrounds those guys with the right tangential pieces really hit in both the late part of the first round and the middle of the second round, and guys like Brandon Clark and Dylan Brooks, who had 27 points against the Knicks, smart free agent signings like Crowder and Valanchunas. And all of a sudden, you have a team that's not incredible, but is one of the youngest teams in basketball and is has a 50-50 record despite playing in, in a loaded Western Conference. So it, it just it gives you an idea of, of what the combination of slightly better luck and good management can do, and it's an interesting reflection on, on the Knicks, who were just a shit show last night. Yeah, basically, um, that's about as far as I feel like going. I don't feel like getting into my. I guess my last thought, and I'm already like catching shit on Twitter because right after uh, Morris made the comments, I was like, uh, "Yeah, trade him. Like, I don't want him around anymore. That's that's crap. Like, that's not stuff I want to see from the supposed veteran leader of my team." And then. 
uh, I elaborated when someone was like, well, what do you mean you want to trade him? I'm like, well, I don't want him on my team. I think he's a misogynist if he's making comments like that. And that, of course, then turns out, how dare you say that about him? Like, he's he apologized, which, to be clear, it if you go and read his apology on Twitter and what he said, he has said the damage control apology, which is um, basically, oh, I didn't mean to... I didn't mean to offend anybody. It was, you know, I didn't mean to offend women. It was just something I said in the heat of the moment. And what I really want to hear out of him going forward, especially if the Knicks are going to keep him, isn't, oh, I said something offensive and I'm only sorry that it offended people. I want him to hear, I want to hear him say like, you know, I understand that this was wrong. I want to learn why it's wrong and I want to do better in the future. And, you know, it's funny because that was kind of like what something we were talking. It's it's just so weird how it all kind of comes full circle. But we were literally just talking the other day on the Kobe one. You know, I brought up that Kobe at one point in his career called the called the ref a, a gay slur and was fined by the league for it. And then went on to learn from that and became sort of I mean, I won't say a, I, I, I won't say that he was like, you know, a. a prime gay rights advocate or something like it's not like he like dedicated his life to the cause or whatever but he learned from that and he would call people out for using those same terms uh later on in his career so that's kind of what i want to see out of morris out of this i don't i don't think he's a bad person he seems like a good enough guy to me but i do think that he needs to adjust how he looks at things from a you know a man versus woman aspect of like man strong woman weak like that's not the right way to look at things at all um and i I, you know i think that society is kind of growing past that and i would hope that he takes this as a learning moment and genuinely looks to learn from it and if he does i'll i'll take back anything you know i said over the last 24 hours about like you know this isn't a good look for him and i and i think it's bad but um you know I, i would hope that he Maybe in his next media availability, even, you know, when he can at least speak in person, at least uh, um, sort of expresses that, that he wants to get better and and learn from this rather than just kind of just kind of giving the standard. Oh, I said something in the heat of the moment, which all that says to me is like in the heat of the moment, when you're not thinking about what you're saying, this is what you think. And that's not right. So, yeah, that's kind of my two cents on that whole matter. Yeah, no, that, that's a great way to sum it up, but I'm I'm in total agreement. Are you the type of fan that's so excited for the Super Bowl that you're just ready to go out and predict every single element of it? Well, then my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between the Super Bowl coming up, the NBA season in mid-swing, and college basketball getting closer and closer to March Madness, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, you can try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing, go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use our promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. 
All right, uh, let's let's get into the trade bag. Uh, something I'm a little bit more excited for, and you you can hear we're we're gonna perk up at this point in the podcast because the hypotheticals are a lot more fun than the reality. And we start off with our guy, the always reliable Urim Lakaj at Lakaj on Twitter, and he posits three first round picks to Minnesota, the two Dallas picks, and hopefully one from a Morris trade, if not a Knicks pick, in addition to Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson for Carl Towns and Gorgie Jang. Uh, Alex, I think we can keep this one short. Uh, the Timberwolves are not going to trade Carl Anthony Towns. So uh, there's that. Yeah, I, I feel like if they were going to trade for Randle, they would want to do it to complement Towns. Um and try to convince him that, you know, Minnesota is somewhere he should want to stay like forever. Granted, they don't have to do too much convincing because they have him under contract for what, four more years after this. Isn't this the first year of his, of his max extension? So, I mean, they've got him locked up for quite some time. Um, So there's really, there's no pressure for them to trade him right now. Um, But, you know, he is, he is getting publicly, um, sort of angry at the whole situation uh, in Minnesota. They they had lost, what, 14 straight the other night? And, I mean, he, he was getting kind of publicly frustrated, which, uh, quite frankly, that gives me a little bit of pause about the Knicks trying to trade for him as well, because if he's legitimately a, you know, a top player that's worth giving up a premium price tag for, then... there's really no excuse for ever having your team lose 14 straight games. I mean, if you look at the Knicks this year, even for as bad as they've been, the Knicks have not lost 14 straight games. Um, And I don't even know if they did last year, if we're being honest, like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty significant. And if you have, you know, a purported, uh, you know, top 15 player or whatever on your team, that's something that probably shouldn't happen. Um, So it, it gives me some pause, you know, because then you're talking about, you're not really giving up much other than Mitch obviously is a big thing, but you know, you can't really, I don't think you could realistically play Mitch and towns together or maybe you could, but it would be difficult to get a deal done without sending them Mitch. But other than that, the players are whatever, but sending out three first round picks too. um, you know, as Yerm said, the, both the Dallas picks, one of which is pretty heavily protected. So, you know, it's probably going to be a late first, if anything, or a couple second rounders, but then, He'd suggested potentially 2022 Knicks pick top one to three protected or 2023 unprotected. And that I would not be comfortable doing because I'm not comfortable saying with any certainty that even with Carl Towns on board, the Knicks would definitely be like, you know, playoff status in 2022 or 2023 where, you know, they definitely wouldn't be in the lottery and with a chance to jump into, um, you know, a, a top pick or something. So. I, I'm I'm thinking this one, A, I don't know how realistic it is because I don't think Minnesota – I think Minnesota is more likely to do the – like, do you remember, like, back in LeBron's first stint in Cleveland where, like, Cleveland would do anything to try to keep him around? And I feel like Minnesota is more likely to do that right now than they are to try to trade towns who they have all the control and all the leverage over right now. So I, I don't see it as too likely. And, and even as a Knicks fan, I would still it would give me a little bit of pause, despite how great of a player he is, uh, just because of the cost involved and his lack of track record being, you know, the number one guy on a winning team. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really think he's he's center Trey Young in, in that. I mean, you, you look at the stats and he looks like he's on track to be. And he, he honestly, he is on track to be one of the greatest offensive centers of all time. I mean, there the really is almost I mean, people call Chris Tapps a unicorn. Towns is almost more so with his ability to shoot threes at a high volume now like he's taking five or six a game and hitting right around 40 percent and be just an absolute unstoppable force inside like we really maybe i'm 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 not i'm i'm missing someone who's who's killing it right now but there there isn't anyone like that in nba history as far as i can remember like even guys like Embiid and anthony davis just that they have some of the same elements, but they're just not even close to the same shooter. He's like, he's, he's legitimately a great, great shooter on top of anything else, um, everything else, but uh, struggles defensively. And it's really, it's hard to build a team around a center that struggles on defense, which is why I think uh, Mitchell Robinson is so valuable. But again, the point is moot because uh, the Timberwolves are not going to be trading Carl Anthony Towns. And I feel pretty confident, confident about that. All right. Another one comes from uh, the Kev Snow at the Kev Snow on Twitter. Always a great name. He says, dump the vets and hashtag give the keys to the kids. Uh, Kevin, if you've been listening, we are with you. Um, I think two different trades here. The first one. Three different uh, ones. Yeah. Oh, three Jesus. separate okay. trades. Wow. Okay. All right. So let's just, we'll, we'll just go one at a time. Uh, the first one is Gorgie Jang and a second round pick from the Timberwolves for Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith Jr., uh, I don't mind this trade at all. I actually really like Jang as a backup center. I think the Knicks would probably have to figure out a way to get off Taj Gibson somehow just to make this tenable because having all three of those guys, I mean, with Robinson also on your roster doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, I think uh, Jang is certainly an upgrade over Gibson. So uh, if it results in getting rid of uh, Peyton and DSJ, uh, all the better. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into this. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, could, I think you could even potentially talk the Timberwolves into more compensation for this because Jang makes uh, $16 million over the next two years. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big chunk of change to give them, you know, a, a free pass for this summer to not have to pay. So, you know, meanwhile, they get Dennis Smith Jr., who still has uh, uh, a year left on his rookie deal. And then you get Alfred Payton, who you have the second-year option on. So, you know, that's pretty good for them. And they're apparently into Dennis Smith Jr. Um, for whatever reason. And so, you know, if they if they want to make that trade, like, try to, try to you know, milk a little bit more out of them. I, I think realistically you could make this one. I, I like Jang as well as a backup for Mitch. And he's a guy that, you know, can shoot a little bit and he plays, you know, decent enough defense. And I, I think he'd be good as a backup to Mitch and, um, you know, I'd say try to squeeze like two second round picks out of them, maybe, um, maybe even a third one. I don't know. Try to shoot for the stars here because you're really feeling a need for them too by making this deal because they've already, uh, they dealt Tyus Jones and they dealt Jeff Teague now. So, you know, I, I think that they're looking for a point guard to hopefully, you know, and there's rumors that they're maybe trying to go after D'Angelo Russell, but. You know, that that's kind of like the moonshot and that that would be the move like what we were talking about with the last trade about trying to make Cat happy because they're best friends or whatever. But if that doesn't work out, you make this move, you get Alfred Payton, who has shown, you know, to at least be a decent enough like replacement level point guard. And then you get uh, Dennis Smith Jr., who can be their kind of, um, 
potential high upside project to try to figure out. I, I don't know if that's the team to necessarily do it because they don't exactly have the best track record, but you know, you could certainly give it a shot. Um, and I just want to, any, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just going to throw out quickly. Jang is a 38% three point shooter, not on a huge volume, about three attempts per game, but uh, that that's an asset. And that's sort of the one thing the Knicks have been missing this year without Luke Cornett. I mean, that ability to, truly play five out. I know there there's some lineups where they do it with Bobby Portis, but with Portis in there, you sacrifice a lot of rim protection. Amal Jang isn't incredible in that area. He's he's a solid positional defender. So that's I think that's pretty valuable and something um, that kind of fits with how Mike Miller wants to play and how everyone wants to play in the NBA these days. Uh, the next one is, is with the Hawks. Uh, it would be uh, gifting Atlanta the honor of having Bobby Portis on their team. And the Knicks get back uh, Evan Turner, who is an expiring salary and a round two pick. So it, it just essentially uh, are the Hawks into the idea of testing out Bobby Portis. And maybe they would be just in the sense that they're trying to build the Warriors East and they want as much shooting as possible. Though, again, I don't I don't totally understand the incentive for Atlanta here, but I don't I don't think it really like I, I don't really get this trade for either team. You're just sort of swapping guys you can get off of after this year because Portis is um, on a team option for a second season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Portis has the team option for year two. I mean, it would only be if they, if they're for whatever reason, like you said, sold on the shooting and just want someone that's under contract because I, well, I mean, it's not even like they have a lot of money guaranteed. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, like uh, Atlanta is sort of in a similar ish situation to how the Knicks are where they don't have a ton of long-term money committed. So it, it just seems weird to me, like unless they really would just want to take a look at Portis and have the option to pick him up for next year, uh, considering it's a weak free agent class, but it just seems strange to me. I don't really get this one either. I don't know why they would feel that uh, if this was last year, I'd be like, okay, they're, they're trying to get off, you know, Turner's one extra year, but the Knicks wouldn't have done this one last year, obviously, because the Knicks were in cap clearing mode last year too. But, um, this year, I don't get it because it's not a big free agent class for one, but for two, it, he's an expiring this year. So, you know, it, it, you're not doing them any favors. So why are they giving you a pick? So I, this one, I don't totally get. I'm with you. Final trade. This one maybe makes a little more sense. Although this is maybe selling. I mean, at least to me, this seems like selling kind of low. Um it's Marcus Morris and Wayne Ellington to the Clippers in exchange for Mo Harkless, Rodney Magruder, and Jerome Robinson. And I don't know. This one doesn't really – this one doesn't sing to me as far as a Marcus Morris trade because I think he's worth more than this at this point um, as far as his value goes. I can understand doing this if you're really just that desperate to, you know, go to the youth for the rest of the year with no pressure to play Morris and nothing better presented itself, but – um, Harkless is okay. He's a fine, you know, role player or whatever, but he's an expiring. You probably don't figure you're going to keep him beyond, you know, this year. Magruder is just whatever. I mean, I don't know. He's signed for, he's signed for like a three-year deal too. So that's a guy that you're going to be having around for a while. Um, I don't know if there's any options or whatever. It, the, the trade, uh, trade NBA machine doesn't quite show that, but I could check in a moment while you're talking, but and then Jerome Robinson, you know, second-year player, seems like he has some potential. He's pretty raw, but I just think you could do better. I mean, you could probably get – you could probably, in this same deal, 
get a first round pick out of them at the very least, like get their own first rounder for this year and maybe some future second rounders or something, because that just seems like a really low price for a guy in Morris. That would be a a guy that could potentially, you know, uh, shore up their championship expectations. And he certainly, I, I think if the Knicks play their cards, right, almost any, um, contending team would want Morris this year just based off how he's played yeah I'm I'm with you I was checking to see if the Clippers could even trade their first round pick and they they can can. they can this year yeah yeah they could trade this year's first round pick but basically none for about 10 years after that (laughs) gotcha okay interesting I guess that was that was very intentional on their part um yeah I I'm, I'm with you I think this is selling a little bit low again if you're trading Morris I think you should get back a, a mid first round pick, though maybe yesterday single handedly dropped that down to a late first round pick. Uh, I, I guess I guess we'll have to see, or uh, a, a decent young guy, as someone with with some potential, like along the lines of uh, the guy we keep mentioning and the guy I'm I'm really interested in, uh, a Dante Divincenzo type of talent, someone who projects as a good, not great role player going forward. It, that's feels like a pretty fair price i mean honestly if there was some way this this doesn't feel realistic but i'm i'm the other direction i'm going which i don't think we've really talked about yet on this podcast is trying to package morris with other assets to get something better and obviously the knicks don't have that much but something along the lines of morris wayne ellington and maybe both dallas picks or like a pretty heavily protected future knicks pick for someone like Landry Shamit would be amazing. I don't. I think the Clippers probably wouldn't deal him because the best thing you can have as a contender built around two incredibly highly paid stars is guaranteed young talent on uh, a obviously a relatively minuscule contract. So I, I don't think the Clippers would do that. But if if I was the Knicks for an office, that would be the angle that I'm approaching. it. how can I turn Morris into something that's going to be definitively really really good? And and that's sort of the angle that I would take on it. Um, this trade doesn't really do much for me. I, again, I, I just I don't think you're getting back anything even resembling a blue chipper and, and Robinson. I mean, Magruder's like he's like a fine rotation guy, but Robinson's the only guy who like maybe could turn into a plus role player down the line. Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about young guys, you want to try to snag off them. Like, why not um, uh, Mufundu uh, Cabin Cabin Jelly? Hey, we. <laughs> We tried to, fit, or fit, oh, they have the pronunciation guide on basketball reference. Uh, I, I was going to say, I just, I, I don't have to say his name all the time. Fiondu Cabangeli. I, sure. I would not have guessed that for his first name, but wow. Fiondu okay. Cabangeli. I got it right this time now. Um, can, you, but, can you pitch him to me? I, I don't know a lot of. I know Florida State, but I don't, I don't know much else. I just know that he's, he's supposedly well. So far this year, I mean, it's on limited attempts, but on 1.2 attempts per game, he's shooting 50% from three. Obviously, I wouldn't expect that to hold up, but his rep is basically that he's he's a big, but he's got the, if he pans out correctly, he has sort of the Draymond Green mold to him where he's a pretty good passer and can, you know, handle the ball surprisingly well and is pretty mobile for, you know, a guy who's like six foot ten. And, you know, those are the type of guys I'd like to, look at definitely because i think that that's the type of guy that could be a perfect fit next to mitch if he would pan out um so that it, that would be the type of guy i'd like to look for you know robinson like i said I, I don't know i i just don't really see it with him um he's played in almost 40 games for them this year and averages almost uh 12 minutes a game so it's not like he's not playing at all 
and he's only shooting 34%, uh, not even 30% from three. Uh, I know that he's athletically super, super gifted and all that stuff, but I don't, I don't necessarily know that, like, if I'm training Marcus Morris, who's basically looking like borderline all-star so far this year, I, you know, even with him only being on a one-year contract, I don't think that that's, like, a good return package. And, you know, I, I definitely look to get more than that, especially out of the Clippers. You can definitely milk more out of them than just that package, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Uh, next one comes from Nick's Life, another uh, Marcus Morris trade. Uh, this one, <laughs> not, not a lot of enthusiasm here. Morris to Houston for their first and whatever. <laughs> so I, I like the phrasing. Um, I, I don't really, I mean, well, I don't know. I guess Houston will probably end up around the 22nd, 23rd pick. And I was, I was looking to check. I'm pretty sure the Rockets are in the same situation as the Clippers where they can trade their first this year and then cannot trade it for a while because the Thunder own them. Um, that's that's an option. And I think a semi-realistic one, given where Daryl Morey is and with a new owner there and, and after the China tweet, um, there, there seems to be a consensus among the league that despite his years of success there and, and the general consensus that he, he's one of the better GMs in basketball, that his job is sort of hanging on by a thread and he's been in win now mode for about four or five years running now and and doing just about everything he can to mortgage the future to try and win a championship. And and this is kind of the last gasp effort of that. I don't think Harden and Westbrook are ever going to be better than they are right now. So it would make a lot of sense that he would want to go after someone like Marcus Morris and Morris would be an incredible fit for them, given that all they're really looking for is guys who can hit the three and at least hold up, physically in the playoffs and hold up to some degree defensively. Um, I know, I know uh, uh, free spree five didn't state it. That's his handle, by the way, with a whole lot of intensity, but uh, this is one of the more realistic Morris destinations, I would say. Yeah. And also one that gets the Knicks, arguably their best pick that they could potentially get, you know, it'd probably be a pick in the, in the early twenties rather than the late twenties. Um, Cause if you do a deal with, any of the super contenders, like if you do a deal with um, Milwaukee or the Clippers or uh, the Lakers or whoever it may be, you know, and uh, even though I don't think the Lakers own their own pick this year, um, but, you know, if you do it with whoever else, you know, you're running the risk of getting a, a pick that's really late, like basically a second round pick at that point. Whereas with the Rockets, I mean, they're kind of struggling right now a little bit. You know, they just had a four-game losing streak uh, recently, and they've they've been kind of falling off a bit after they were playing pretty hot for a while. So there's a chance, you know, if you make this trade now, you know, yeah. they're currently sitting at fifth in the West, if I'm not mistaken, and at 29-18. I mean, if they, if they struggle even after getting Morris down the stretch and, you know, they end up a lower playoff seed in the West, you know, like the the sixth or seventh or something, then maybe you're looking at a pick that even falls inside the top 20. And that's pretty nice. I mean, then the Knicks would be armed with probably a top five pick and a top 20 pick. And that's, that's a pretty good way to go into the draft and gives you leverage to either, you know, to move around wherever you want. You can move up, down, left, right. You know, you can do whatever you want with that sort of flexibility. So I, I'd be into that for sure. Um, maybe not my number one deal because the Rockets can't also send, uh, a player back with it that would interest me, but definitely something that interests me in general. Um, moving right along, 
that was that was actually really funny. That was a pretty good one for the uh, amount of effort that was put in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving right along, so we have one from Daniel at Daniel M two K twenty twenty. He has a trade between the Knicks and the Bulls. Uh, his deal is to get Laurie Marketing over to the Knicks, which is something I would definitely be into. And his deal is the Knicks get Thaddeus Young, Cristiano Felicio, and Larry Markkinen, all of whom are signed for multiple years. Young is signed for uh, three years at about $13 million a season. Um, Felicio is making uh, a little over $8 million for the next two years. And then Markkinen, obviously, still on his rookie contract. And then the Knicks would send out Taj Gibson, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, Reggie Bullock, Alonzo Trier, and the two picks from the Porzingis trade. So this would be kind of a uh, funny uh, end to the Porzingis saga, I think. If you trade, you know, you end up trading the basically the whole package that you got for Porzingis for Lowry Markkinen, who I can remember back around that draft, uh, there was rumors that Phil Jackson really liked him, and Knicks fans were like, what? Why? You know, screw him. Like, we already have Porzingis. Why would we need marketing? <laughs> you know, and now the Knicks end up trading the exact package plus a little bit more that they got for Porzingis in exchange for marketing. Um, I, I don't know about you, Gavin. I kind of like this. Uh, I Because I think it seems to me like marketing is just being misused or something because there's something's not right this year. You know, his stats are way down and there's even been some comments from him suggesting that he doesn't like how he's being used, that he's essentially just being used to stretch the floor and that's it uh, when he has more to offer and can open up his game in different ways. And I, I think that we've seen that from him in past years. And, you know, I definitely think that he has a lot to offer still as a really young player with, I mean, he's, he's a shooting big man and he shot, I mean, he shot a good percentage from three as well. It's not even like he's a pushover. Um, this particular year he is shooting 34%, but for his career so far, he's shooting 36% from three. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of bringing him on for sure. I think that, you know, he's even with him having sort of a quote unquote down year so far this year, he's still scoring 15 points a game and it's on, 42% 42% shooting, which isn't ideal, but again, the, you know, the three-point shooting is pretty good, and I think that if you find more creative ways to use him, he could potentially be not just a, a decent piece, but actually like a foundation piece, where then maybe you'd be looking at like, okay, now we have RJ and we have Markkinen, who I think are both really, really good players, um, which y- you don't necessarily get that confidence out of any of the three younger guys that the Knicks are sending out in Smith, Knox, or Trier. You don't get that consistent feeling of, you know, uh, like that they're actually, you know, going to be part of something when this team is good. And then I, I don't think it should be underrated either that I actually, I mean, Thaddeus Young, I think is a good player and a good veteran and all that stuff, all those superlatives. And, you know, is a nice guy to have around the team, I think, and a good, a good role player, you know, that could back up, Julius Randle, or you could play him out there with Randle in a small ball situation, or play him with Markinen, you know, whatever. You could find all kinds of ways, I think, to use Thaddeus Young. So, I'm in support of this deal. I like it. If the Bulls would be into it, I would certainly make this trade. Yeah, it feels like a little, like, convoluted, I think. I mean, I I wonder if there's a way to do it where the Knicks would 
just be getting back marketing and and again i think the knicks would probably have to give up more assets though again chicago's front office isn't particularly bright themselves so maybe they'd just be willing to deal marketing at a, at a below market price but I, I i sort of feel like the knicks would maybe include marcus morris because the bulls are for whatever reason kind of trying to make the playoffs this year and i don't know they're should be some like maybe Damian Dotson like the Knicks would have to be able to sweeten the pot obviously without giving up Mitchell Robinson RJ Barrett or any of their own first round picks but if, if they could somehow do that that would be amazing because I think marketing is worth a lot lot more and he's as you noted the ultimate buy low right now really talented playmaker high level shooter I, I think even a better shooter than what he's shown so far in the NBA I mean you, you look at his stroke and it's about as good as it gets in terms of aesthetics and on top of that, I mean, sort of the perfect long-term piece at power forward to slot next to Mitchell Robinson and with R.J. Barrett on the floor, that, that's exactly what you need, a really high-level shooter. But even beyond that, someone who is a playmaker and who can create off the dribble and, and do a little bit more stuff. Uh, the, again, the Knicks need shooting wherever they can get it and marketing a young guy, a big guy, and, and with mobility and legit NBA athleticism, which was sort of the big question for him coming out of the University of Arizona, that anyone who watched him for a significant amount of time over his first two years in the league is pretty clear that he was more than just a shooter. So I'd, I'd be ecstatic about it. Um, I don't know if this particular package would work. I don't see why the Bulls would, would really want uh, Taj Gibson, Dennis Smith Jr., and Alonzo Trier, even if they're just in there to make salary work. But um, if there's some way the Knicks could work this out without giving up the aforementioned guys, I would be fairly interested in it i mean he, he's he's perfect all right uh alex how about we do a one last one to wrap this podcast up and then we'll come back with a part two uh case jones at case wraps on twitter says quote realistic one he's calling his own shot uh the knicks send reggie bullock to the philadelphia 76ers and the knicks get back zaire smith and a second round pick this is actually a variation of a trade that i suggested right from the beginning of the season or e even even during the offseason when the knicks signed bullock and ellington i mean it was pretty clear the sixers were going to need one more shooter i actually think they're a little bit less desperate than i thought because uh uh, Korkmaz has come out and, and turned himself into a really high-level three-point shooter. And then some of the other guys on that roster, like Mike Scott and James Ennis, have been serviceable. So they're not quite in the desperation mode that I anticipated, where they would just be willing to give up an unprotected first-round pick for one of these guys. But someone like Zaire Smith, who, at least for the moment, doesn't seem like he is a clear part in their future, not currently a part of their rotation, uh, he would certainly be an interesting piece, a guy who's a really high-level athlete and, and just sort of an archetype of a player at the guard position. The Knicks don't really have that really high-level uh, jumper slash defender, sort of in an Amon Shumpert role, though obviously there are a lot of questions about how he develops as a shooter, but but sort of a low-risk proposition for the Knicks. Obviously, I would rather give up Ellington than Bullock, but um, I, I would be I'd be somewhat interested in this kind of a trade. Yeah, what's important about this one to me, too, is that the Knicks end up with most likely their own second round pick back as well. So the pick included is 2020 second rounder, most favorable of the Knicks or the Nets, which as much as the Nets are struggling lately, it's still probably going to be the Knicks <laughs> if we're being realistic. Um, so the Knicks would get their own second round pick back, which would be nice because then they'll have theirs and Charlotte's. And I mean, we're talking about the team that hit on Mitchell Robinson the last time that they had an early pick in the second round, you'd then be giving them probably two top 10 picks in the second round, which is very useful. And 
uh, I think in many ways, second round, early second round picks like that are becoming as useful or more useful than um, late first round picks because in in a lot of ways they're um, there's there's different things you can get around salary wise and stuff like that to the point that I think that teams are looking to get like they're almost intentionally letting the like intriguing older college prospects and stuff like that that maybe can make a more immediate impact in the NBA they're letting them slip to that range so that then they can draft them there and you get more flexibility to offer a little bit more money out of that spot than you do at the end of the first round. And so then you can lock these second round guys up for like four year contracts um, that are favorable to the team and, you know, all that good stuff and, and still get to take your project guys, you know, at the end of the first round or whatever that make less money and all that good stuff. So um, it's, it's definitely intriguing to me. Uh, I like it. And, you know, again, the team that draft, and, you know, you can make the case of, oh, well, is, is it even going to be the same front office that drafted Mitchell Robinson? Whatever, fair point. But the, the Knicks in general, for whatever reason, seem immune to ever being truly bad at drafting, I think. I think they usually take the right risks when they when they can and stuff like that. And you can argue the merits of taking Nilakina or Knox or whatever, but, um, you know, this team for years and years has had a pretty good uh tradition of of scouting and scouting pretty well uh with whatever they have so i'd be into the idea of having two early second round picks that's the most appealing thing to me but to your point too yeah to get zaire smith as well i remember coming into his draft he was kind of um he was intriguing because he seemed like he could score quite a bit and he could actually pass decently for a two guard and so i certainly would not mind bringing him on board and just seeing what he's got he's such a crazy, crazy athlete. Um, I mean, he could jump out of the building. I, I still remember during the NCAA tournament, I believe it was, with Texas Tech, he had this one dunk that just made me, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like, completely leave my seat from his uh, <clears throat> Jesus, pure athletic ability. Sorry, I'm choking up. It was so good. <laughs> you but, uh, but, yeah, no, it, <laughs> I would definitely like to bring him on. I think it would be... I think it would be fun, if nothing else, to have Zaire Smith for the rest of the year. And, you know, hopefully we would make some other trades in addition to this Bullock one and free up playing time for all the young players. And we could see, like, Zaire Smith and Frank Nilakina backcourt and see how that works defensively and, you know, get all kinds of fun looks out there. So definitely a trade that I'm, I'm on board with. All right. I'm with it. And with that, we'll wrap up part one of the trade back. But don't cry. We have plenty more to come a bunch of trades you guys were great sending us a ton of them maybe we'll even go to three parts we'll see but we'll be back soon on locked on Knicks with more hypotheticals and some game action over the weekend until then be good and enjoy the rest of your week